There's something to be said for the Israelites having wandered the desert for decades, yet never being abandoned. God brought them along day by day, asking in return for all their heart, might, mind, and strength. When we have consecrated ourselves to God and His purposes, it changes not only our outlook and trajectory, but our very nature. If we are doing our best to get to the promised land, it won't matter how long it takes to get there. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. I think people forget God sometimes because we get a little too caught up in daily life or in thinking that we somehow know better than God. I think we forget God when we are so blessed and we think that the blessings are because of how great we are. So we focus on ourselves rather than God and that always causes us problems when we get that self-focus. They don't do the daily things that they need to do. For example, um, I always pray in the morning and I do my scripture study. Um, and I think that's one way that I remember God. It's so important to remember God. Some of the things that I try and do is, of course, have pictures around the home uh, and, and look at different things, but I also try and, and make it a habit that when I have just a moment uh, of alone time, instead of going straight to my phone, to give a prayer of gratitude. When I get in the car before I turn on the radio, sometimes I go straight to the radio, but I try and think and pray and, and thank God for what He's done for me. Welcome everybody, thank you for being here today. The discussion topics that we're gonna be covering today come from our studies of various chapters in the book of Deuteronomy. And the first topic we're going to discuss is the Lord wants me to love him with all my heart. And the second topic is the blessings of obedience. And to help us with our discussions today, uh, we wanna first welcome back uh, one of our returning scholars, Patrick Mason. Welcome Patrick. Great to be back. Patrick is a uh, professor at, the, at Utah State University, and uh, he teaches history and religion. Yep. Awesome. And he's also an author and a really nice guy. Oh, and that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> your wife paid me to say that. Yeah. So uh, I'll yeah. expect a little kickback coming yeah, yeah, soon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, seated next to Patrick, uh, we have our, our special guest for today, uh, Dr. Carrie Mulestein. Uh, Dr. Kerry Mulestein is a professor of ancient scripture at BYU. He teaches classes on the Old Testament and is an expert in the Hebrew Bible and ancient Egypt. And he's currently the director of the BYU Egypt Excavation Project. I didn't even know something like that existed. Uh, well, most people don't, but it's, <laughs> it's good fun stuff. It's, it's good to be here, thanks. Well, thank you so much. We're very excited to, to hear from both of you. So uh, let's go ahead and just, you know, as we dive into this first topic, let's get an overview of what's happening with the book of Deuteronomy. So this is the, the last of what's known as the five books of Moses. And uh, so the book of Deuteronomy is actually a, a series of, of sermons that Moses gives to the children of Israel before they enter the, into the promised land. So you remember, Moses is not gonna be able to enter into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And so these are his last instructions uh, in which he gives to the children of Israel. And it's, it's, it's a kind of renewal of, of the law, of, of the covenant. That's actually what Deuteronomy means. And, and so 
So it's kind of a, a distillation, but also a, a, a you know retelling uh, some of the things that we've learned over the past few books in Exodus, Numbers, and Leviticus. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dr. Musing. I think it's important to remember kind of his his audience, right? So they were going to go into the promised land, and then they decided not to. So everyone who had been an adult at that time isn't part of this audience. They stayed in the wilderness until they died off. So what he has is a group of people who've grown up in the wilderness but weren't at Sinai to make that covenant in the first place. So this is Moses' valedictory address, but also a covenant renewal ceremony where he's saying, okay, I know you weren't part of some of this earlier stuff, but it's as if you were, so let me remind you of all of this stuff, remind you of the laws, and then let's have you make the covenant personally. It's the last important thing I need to do before I'm done with my ministry and you go in. All right. Uh, what about from the audience? In your studies this week, anything stand out to you? Afton, go ahead. I loved how Moses helps us realize why we should love our Heavenly Father and the Savior because he keeps telling people, this is what he's done for you. Remember, remember, remember. And that's, we need to do that. Right now, we need to remember what he's done for us. Absolutely. And that will draw us to the Lord. I love that. Let's dive into this first topic. The Lord wants me to love him with all my heart, which comes from uh, the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. Where he launches in, I think it's just so important. It's so central. Um, so chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And, and Carrie, you know, you know a lot more about this than, than I do, but, but these verses are incredibly important, especially for our Jewish sisters and brothers, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, they call this the Shema. Uh, that comes the, the Hebrew word for hear when it's an imperative, when you're telling someone to hear is Shema. So it's taken from the first word in verse four, hear, O Israel. These, these two verses are the core identity uh, of, of someone who is uh, Jewish. It's, it's what their religious identity is all about. It's something that uh, they should think of first thing in the morning. That's what they're supposed to think of. Last thing at night, throughout the day. Uh, and in fact, in the next few verses, the, uh, you get the Lord telling them how important this is. He says, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently. Uh, we can talk about that later if we want. But verse 8, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand and as frontless between thine eyes. So they literally do that when they pray. In the, in the New Testament, they call them phylacteries. They, they, today we would call them tephilim. Uh, where you'll see it uh, tied on their arm or on their head. Uh, or the next verse where it says, uh, thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So that's called a mezuzah. I've got a, a little example here I bought uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, it's, it, it's the Hebrew letter sheen, which is the letter in Shema, right? And then you write, you can see on the back, there's a little place for a scroll. You have to have these, it has to be written with someone that has kosher ink and everything else. Uh, and you write it and put it on your doorpost so that as you go in and as you go out, you, you touch this, you kind of kiss it, you think of it. All of it is really about remembering those two verses that Patrick just read uh, that are the heart of, of Judaism and really the heart of the covenant with Israel. It shouldn't be just for Judaism or covenant members. The heart of the covenant is there is one Lord and we love him with all of our heart. I love that. So this could be something that uh, from outside perspective may seem a little bit strange, but the reality is, don't we do similar things in, in our worship that for us, oh, this is very normal, but from an outside perspective, it may seem like, why do you guys do that? Yeah, this is for me, I mean, I think, you know, 
Latter-day Saints do a lot of things that are sort of, you could say, sort of conspicuous religion, right? Or, or a kind of uh, outward signs or things that help us remember the covenant. Uh, so one thing for, for Latter-day Saints who have been through the temple, uh, that they wear special undergarments, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes people make jokes about them and, and so forth, but, but, but actually uh, the, the whole purpose of the garment that, that you wear every single day, uh, you know, you talked about when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, right? I mean, the, this is exactly what, what happens when, when you wear garments, uh, that it's, they're supposed to remind you of the covenants that, that you've made with God. And then Latter-day Saints also do a lot of things in our homes, right? We, we put pictures of, of Jesus Christ, right? Or, or sometimes little statues of Jesus. I mean, we do lots of kinds mm-hmm. of things. So it might not be on our doorpost or on our foreheads and on our wrists, but, but, but we do very parallel things to help remind us and teach our children, exactly as it says here, uh, to, to, to remember the covenant and remember God. So what are some of the things that you do to remind you of the covenants that you have made? Patrice. What I do personally, what helps me remember is in the morning when you're in the restroom and you see your mirror and I put scriptures up that empower me for the day. It reminds me of how good God is and that he loves me. And as I read them, it encourages me and it helps me to have a better day. What inspired you to do that? Well, many of us are visual and we like to see versus here. But, you know, if you do them both, hear the scriptures or hear a great word, but if you can remind yourself and see it visually, it confirms it. And you can re, you know, say that daily throughout your day. And so I have just found it to be, you know, beneficial. Well, and think about too within the, the youth program, we give everybody a ring or a necklace or something like that. Again, just something, you know, we, we are physical beings, yeah. right? So, so to have physical reminders, to, to just help put us in the, in the right mindset and, and to remember God, maybe in that moment where we really need to. So with our first topic, the Lord wants us to love him with all of our heart, might, mind, strength. These are common words that we hear a lot. And uh, President Benson has a great definition. He says, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is all-consuming and all-encompassing. It is no lukewarm endeavor. It is a total commitment of our very being, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, to a love of the Lord. I, I love what he's saying. This is the most important thing we do as covenant keepers. This should be our core identity. The way we think of ourselves, the way we filter everything we, we think about, the, everything we do, should all be affected by the idea that we love God. As, as President Benson said, it consumes us. It, it's just part of everything. Uh, as a covenant holder, I try to think more than anything else about how I love God so much that everything else I do is, is comes and stems from that. Okay, so Patrick, how does loving God act as a catalyst to keeping the other commandments? Moses reminds us here over and over of all the things that God has done for us, right? And so, so part of it is that love comes out of a position of gratitude, right? Okay. That God has been so good to me, right? And, and that all these blessings I have in my life come, come from him. And, and, and so, so I wanna sort of pay it forward, right? I mean, you know, I, I wanna then project that out into the world but it's also, it's, it's seeing other people the way that God sees them, okay. right? So, so if I love God, I'm gonna love the things that God loves. Okay. And what does God love more than anything? He loves us. I love that, Carrie. I think you can really see that in, in chapter 15, where he talks yeah. about 
taking care of the poor and someone mm -hmm. who's been enslaved, okay. letting them go and so on. And he has this idea of the mercy and the blessings that I've given you, you need to give to other people. I didn't, you didn't earn them. You don't deserve them because of how <laughs> great you are. There's something I gave you because I love you. Now you go give it to other people, whether they deserve it or not. All of the love and, and mercy I extend needs to be passed forward. I love that. So from a practical standpoint, as we look at these things individually, what is the difference between some of these loving in with your heart? What does that look like? What does it look like to love them with your, your mind, your might, your soul? I think there's something to looking at each of the component parts, uh, but also looking at the whole. Okay. So, you know, we, we've got our, our heart, which often symbolizes our desires, the things we really want. The soul seems to be like everything you are, right? Your being, right? And then the, adding might in there means you don't do any of it just a little bit. You do it with everything you have. You give it everything, right? And then you'll notice here in the, in the Deuteronomy verse, it doesn't have mind. Mm -hmm. um, when the Savior, when we, we get the Savior quoting it, or at least the way it's reported that it's quoted, mind is added in there. But I think that that's an important component. We're so influenced by the world in the way we think about everything, just how we consider it, how we filter ideas and so on. And President Nelson gave that great talk on having the, the Lord prevail more than anything in the way you think and feel about things. And so uh, it's, we need to look at those components, but in a way, putting them all together just really is a way of saying, with everything you are or have or can be or will be, you love God. Has there been something specific that you have done in your life that really kind of um, has set a standard for the way you live, showing that, you know what, I'm gonna put God first? Patrick? So I'm, a, I'm an academic, I'm, I'm a professor. I, I spend a lot of time just like inside my head, right? Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I've just tried to do o over the years, and, and I think the Spirit has helped me do that, is dedicate and consecrate all that kind of mind work that, that I do. Uh, I want that all to be part of, of my, my interaction with God in, in, in the world. And, and, and we know that God blesses with all these gifts, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever those gifts are. So, so for me, that, that's where I do a lot of my work. I want God to come through and sort of speak through that. And I want, I want that work to reflect him. I like how you said that. Thank you. Uh, from the audience, what are some ways that you express your love to God? Eliza, go ahead. I like to show my love to God through my actions. And so every single day, um, I obey him by keeping his commandments, by reading the scriptures, by praying. And I think that's why he wants us to love him. Because when we love him, we follow him and he wants us to return to him. As you have gone through this process of keeping the commandments, what sort of a difference has that made in your life? When you keep his commandments, you have his spirit with you always. You feel his love. And when you feel his love, you start to become more like him. And so it gives me peace. It gives me purpose in my life. And it really um, gives me joy. I, I like that. You know, usually when we, when we talk about the, uh, the feelings of the Holy Ghost, I don't know if I've ever heard someone say a purpose. This feeling of, okay, this is where I know what I'm doing. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, there's, there's so much here. I mean, the, the whole point for Moses here is like, I'm not gonna be with you forever, right? You all gotta own this now, <laughs> right? Th th this is on you. And, and then you pass it on to your children and their children and their children and their children. Uh, and, and so all of this, so it's teaching in the home, but in the community and, and all of these kinds of things. And it's the way that our love for God just transforms our everyday life. I love that. Uh, Carrie, you have six kids. Yeah. 
what are some things that you do to kind of help keep in remembrance some of these things with your kids? It's a great question. And you know, kids never want to listen to their parents. So <laughs> uh, I do think that family, uh, like scripture study in the morning and things like that are really huge. But I also just try and find a little thing to say to them every day as they're leaving. And it, it changes, right? But um, little things like, okay, I, I love you, go do something nice to someone is what I said for like a couple months or things like that. You just find those little things that you can do again and again and again and again. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you guys were amazing. Thank you so much for your comments on the Lord wants me to love him with all my heart. When I'm going through difficult times, I realize that it's just for a season. It's not forever. So I have just learned when I have gone through heartache that I know that it's going to end. I'm gonna just continue to seek and worship and stay close to Christ. I don't know how it's gonna work out. I don't know if it's gonna work out how I think is gonna be good for me or have that happy ending, but I can trust that it will be for my good. And in the grand scheme of things, everything will be okay. The things that give me hope through challenges is my faith in my Heavenly Father and the knowledge that I have that the Savior did the atonement and He did what He said He would do. That gives me hope. We're now gonna jump into our second topic, which is the blessings of obedience. And I wanna start out by just defining what is obedience? You know, in, in some ways, obedience is just like, yes, sir, right? Or uh, yes, ma'am. And, and, and sometimes that's what we want with our kids. It's just like, <laughs> just, just do, do it. it, right? You know, but, but on, on a deeper level, that there has to be a reason for it. And it comes out of relationship, right? Uh, and, and I think that's what we're learning throughout Deuteronomy here is that it's not just God telling you to do stuff because he's telling you to do stuff. I mean, in, in chapter six, verse 24, it, it says, the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. So all of this obedience, all of these laws, all these statutes, all of this is, is for our good. And it's sort of like, you know, you, you, you buy a, a, a piece of like furniture that you have to build at, at, at the store or, or something like that. And, and it comes with instructions. Now, sometimes- Wait, What are those? Yeah, these, there, there's, a, there's a sheet in there that tells you how to do it. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, Ben. So, wow, this so, is news. So, so some guys <laughs> named Ben, sometimes say, I got this, right? Mm-hmm. I have all these parts and I can just build this. And, and then you put the books on the shelf and it collapses, <laughs> right? I'm sure that's never happened to you, never, right? Never, never. But if you take those instructions and if you follow them, then, uh, then in fact, that bookcase is going to work, right? <laughs> I got to write this stuff down. I this know, is it's, great. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's similar to, in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord tells us, he gives us commandments that they're directions to know how we may act before him so it turns to our salvation. So really, he's just just like, you, you know, you tell your kids, if you do this when you're playing this game or you're, you're in this situation, this is going to work well for you. That's what God is telling us. This is the way you need to behave for things to work out well for you. So I noticed as I was reading these chapters, what's the correlation between uh, that Moses is trying to teach between remembrance and obedience? I, th- I think it's all caught up in the covenant. So again, Deuteronomy is really the whole thing from beginning to end is about covenant, right? And, and God could just, he wants to bless us. He could just give us blessings because he wants to give us blessings, but that's not really going to help us because what he wants is for us to become more Christ-like. So he's trying to teach us behaviors that will help us become more Christ-like and that help us access this, the atoning sacrifice of his son so that he can change us to become more Christ-like, right? But if we, keep, if, if we receive those blessings even while keeping the commandments, 
if we receive those blessings just kind of without any context, then we start to think, oh, that's because I'm so great. And he warns us about that mm -hmm. in here, right? Oh, well, lest you think you're all that, that great, right? And, and powerful and mighty and whatever else. Um, so instead, they're in a covenant context, meaning we know that because we're in a covenant with God, if we do these things, he will bless us in these ways, and then we have to remember. Okay. When you keep the covenant, you get the blessings. When you start to think that it's because of you instead of, of God blessing you within the covenant, then you have to get humbled, and then you'll start to keep the covenant again and get the blessings again. It's really a covenant corruption cycle that we see everywhere in Scripture and in our lives. You know, I, I love that idea of the, the covenant cycle. And uh, Linda K. Burton really, she has this great quote that teaches us about uh, the importance of keeping those covenants. She says, covenant keeping is one way to express our love for the incomprehensible, infinite atonement of our Savior and Redeemer and the perfect love of our Father in heaven. Just that we express, you know, through obeying, keeping those covenants through our obedience, it really is a great way for us to show our appreciation for all that we have and all that we have been given. Now, specifically with um, the children of Israel, uh, just to kind of recap, what are some of the things that he really wants them to remember to kind of encourage them to be obedient? First and foremost, he reminds them again and again and again that they were in trouble in Egypt. They were in bondage, they were in slavery, and that he delivered them, and that then they couldn't survive in the wilderness without him and he's the one who brought them through the wilderness to give them this promised land. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in, 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 this, uh, in these passages comes from chapter seven, uh, and it's verses uh, seven and eight. And it says, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people but because the Lord loved you. So in other words, the God saying to Israel, I didn't choose you because you were the biggest or because you were the best or because you were the most awesome, right? We're awesome because God loves us. He doesn't love us because we're awesome, right? And, 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 and that's, that, that was the thing for Israel, to, to remind them like, I chose you, I brought you out, not because you were the best, but because I chose you. As we're trying to find some application with this, what types of people in society do you think could benefit from understanding this principle? Me? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, really explain that. Like, no, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I think uh, for any of us, you know, uh, for, for, I mean, just talking about me, I mean, you know, you, you, go, through, you go through life, you, you get to be good at some things, right? And, 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 and you, start, you start to think, you know, I've, I've earned a PhD or I've written these books or whatever, right? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hot stuff, right? And, and, and you realize that, that, no, all of those gifts, all of those kinds of things, they, they didn't come from me. Um, you know, I, I developed them, I worked. And I think for, as, as a Latter-day Saint too, as, as somebody who's in the covenant, as, as Carrie has talked about, uh, it's, it's not because of my awesomeness, mm. right? It's not because I'm so great or I'm so good, right? We're all sinners, we all fall short, right? We are blessed because of God's grace. That's what grace is. And that's universal. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talk about covenants that we make. Um, is it safe to say that in all religions, there is a form of covenant making that is recognized by God? I think there is, although I, I think we're very, very blessed uh, to live in a day where the covenant's been restored. So right, okay. Israel or, or, or Judaism has kind of maintained that consciousness of covenant, but 
in Christianity, the idea of covenant, it kind of waxes and wanes from time okay. to time. And really, Joseph Smith, well, because God gives it to him, he brings that idea back. And I think we're fortunate to live in our day because President Nelson has really reminded us of the covenant. I think we've kind of been not thinking about it, maybe perhaps as a culture, uh, as much as we should. And, and President Nelson is just bringing this up again and again and again to where it's one of the most consistent themes he talks about. Keeping the covenant, fulfilling the covenant, gathering Israel. Uh, it, it seems very clear to me that the Lord wants us to be very covenant conscious. It's one of the things the prophets do is they remind us of the covenant. They bring yeah. us back to the covenant. President Nelson's doing the same thing for us that Moses was doing for Israel. And as we keep those covenants, as we keep those commandments, there, as the Doctrine and Covenants teaches, the blessings will come. So I want to ask the audience, regardless of your motive, you know, sometimes, you know, we do things out of pure love or sometimes, you know, uh, with the expectation of a reward. Regardless of any of that, I just want to get some thoughts on when have you seen a blessing in your life because of your obedience? Victoria. There's so many blessings in my life but the biggest thing for me is as I'm more obedient, that I'm able to strengthen my relationship with God and see his influence more in my life. What does that look like for you, Victoria? Well, it's different things because I really feel like he speaks to us in so many ways. Okay. But I think the biggest things is in the feelings I get through the Holy Ghost, feelings of peace, of love, of joy, but also even just good thoughts that come to my mind or even just things that I see that help me remember God. Thank you so much, Victoria. Uh, anyone else want to share? Rachel. One way that I've been blessed to obedience is to be protected from certain problems or trials in life. Not that being obedient can make you just have a perfect life with no problems ever, but we do get certain protection from living the commandments. So for example, um, think of some children that no, they're not supposed to play the ball in the kitchen. And then they do, and they break a bunch of plates, and they say, oh, no, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. Well, I'm going to tell them, okay, I realize you didn't do that on purpose, but were you supposed to be playing with the ball in the kitchen? No, and they know that. And if they just followed that rule, then that could have never happened. And I think there's things in our life that if we just follow the commandments, we're not going to be smooth sailing and never any trials or problems, but there are certain things that we can be protected from. And sometimes for like for the, let's say my boys were playing with the ball to them, the rule of don't play with the ball in the kitchen is like a hardship. Like, oh man, why can't I play the ball in the kitchen? Um, and sometimes we can have the attitude with commandments too. Like, why can't I do that? Why well, just want to do that? That looks so fun or so easy, or my friends are all doing it or, or whatever. But we do have, you know, whether we see them or not, we are blessed for keeping those commandments. Thank you so much for sharing that. We talk about keeping commandments. Is there a right reason to keep commandment and is there a wrong reason uh, to keep commandment? I'd, I'd say keeping a commandment's good all the time, okay. right? But there are these hierarchies of, of reasons to keep it. And, and I do think, as we said earlier, that the greatest reason to keep the commandment is because you love God and you just start to want the same things he wants, right? And that's when you're really becoming Christ-like whose will, was, his will was swallowed up in the Father's will. When we love God so much that we just start to want the things he wants, then the commandments just become natural. They become a delight. They become a joy. And that's a great motive. Yeah, well, I, th I, th I think there's definitely that. I think there's definitely that spectrum with, with you know, love uh, and, and, and charity on, on, on the one end of it and just... Uh, 
I, I think maybe fear of the Lord somewhere in the middle and, and like wanting to get something out of it, <laughs> you know, on, uh, you know and, and, and I do think we can sometimes manipulate other people or try to manipulate God with, with our righteousness, right? Um, uh, I think we can sometimes impose uh, on, on people. Um, we can, uh, you know, we, we might have a certain standard or certain, certain set of beliefs, but, but sometimes, you know, in, in our society or even sometimes in our families, not everybody has those same beliefs okay. and other kinds of things. So there can be a way that actually we, we can kind of bludgeon people over the head okay. with our righteousness, mm. which, which in some ways it becomes about us. Right? Okay. It's like, let me show how good I am, right? Because I'm going to do this and, and, and you're not keeping the, the, the rules. So that obviously is, is not going to be the, the ideal form of obedience. Okay. And, and the Savior even addresses this, right? In fact, repeatedly. But, but think specifically when he says, okay, if you're fasting for everyone to see or you're praying for everyone to see, then the blessing you get for that is that everyone saw. Okay, they think you're cool. That's your blessing. That's not the real blessing. That's not the greatest blessing you could get. If you're fasting because you wanted to, to humble yourself before God and approach him and, and obey him, then there's a different kind of blessing you're going to get from that. So yeah, he's actually kind of critical of them for, for fasting for the wrong reason or exactly praying right. in public for the wrong reason. So and we can't value. obey for prideful reasons, and then it yields really actually bad results. We've been talking about the importance of obedience. Uh, here's a question from one of our viewers. Hello, I am Ryan Christensen from Belgrade, Montana. In Deuteronomy chapter six through eight, it emphasizes the importance of obedience to God and his commandments. In Jesus' day, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees were also familiar with these scriptures and believed they were obedient, but Jesus Christ emphasized that they misunderstood many of these principles. How can followers of Jesus Christ ensure they don't make the same mistakes and truly become obedient to God and his commandments? That's a good question. Camille. I think that we're allowed to develop over time and through our experience. And it becomes easier, you know, once you, once you have a positive experience and you continue to have more positive experiences and the Spirit tells you, well, you're doing the right thing, keep going. Thank you so much for sharing. Other thoughts? Kendra, go ahead. Well, if you are looking at the first two commandments that we have, they both incorporate the word love in them. We're supposed to love the Lord thy God. We're supposed to love our neighbor. And to me, that means loving our neighbor no matter what walk of life they're in. And I think that as members of the church, sometimes it's hard for us to see people not striving for the same goals. Mm -hmm. When if we are loving, we can try to open our minds a little bit to see that on a different path, maybe that person is hitting their goals in stride. Maybe that is them progressing in a way that we don't even understand. So for me, I feel like I have started obeying commandments sometimes because I have anxiety, like I get severe anxiety. And I'm like, okay, but if I follow the commandments, like I know I'm doing the right thing and maybe that's not for the right reason. And maybe someone could criticize that. But that got me on the right path. And that got me to the point where I felt like I could start following the commandments for the right reason. And so I do think that incorporating those first two commandments, that love is just something that we need to do that will help us. So one of the things that the 
that the question um, from, from the viewer asked was, you know, talk, asked about the Pharisees. And I always say that as Latter-day Saints, we talk about the Pharisees so much because we understand them so well, okay. right? <laughs> uh, that, um, that, that they get a kind of a bad rap in the New Testament. We, 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 we do the same thing, but we, um, but we can have a tendency to pile on the rules mm. and build guardrails around the <laughs> rules and then another hedge around that, right? But returning to, you know, Jesus calls us back over and over and over again. It's not a coincidence that Jesus quotes Deuteronomy all the time. Right. Give us an idea. I, uh, how often does he quote Deuteronomy? Well, well, I mean, love the Lord your God with all your heart, my mind, and yeah. strength. I mean, that's that's that. And 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 when when he's uh, in in the the temptation in the wilderness, right? Uh, that uh, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word uh, that that God gives us. That's from Deuteronomy. Cool. I mean, you you can go through the New Testament where Jesus is teaching because Jesus is a good Jew, right? It's actually, the third most common book he quotes from in the Old Testament. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, that's great. And, and so. So, and all of it is to bring us back to the covenant and the purpose of the covenant. The, the purpose is that we love God. And in chapter seven, verse nine, I'll finish with this. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, right? God is a covenant keeper. He's made promises to us. He shows us mercy and compassion. And so he, he simply asks us to, to, to be in relationship with him. He will keep his promises. What a beautiful thought. Thank you so much, Patrick. Kerry? Yeah, maybe I'll just uh, touch off of something that Camille mentioned, this idea that, that we'll, it's, a, it's a process and we're gonna make mistakes, but we do better. One of the things I love about Deuteronomy is how clearly it outlines the covenant. So Deuteronomy 28, is one of the clearest uh, places in all of Scripture where it outlines everything that, that happens when you keep the covenant, but also what happens, when, how God humbles you when you break the covenant. He does it again in 29. He kind of goes through that same cycle a little bit uh, where, okay, I'll bless you this way, but if you don't, I, 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 I'm going to have to humble you. I'm going to have to punish you. But then in 30, and we find this every time he talks about the covenant, he ends with it saying, but I know you're going to mess up. Mm. I know you're going to have problems with this, and after you have, when you think to return to me, I'm waiting for you. And it comes back to that. I, I'm waiting for you for a thousand generations. It's never going to end. However many times you mess up, uh, I'm here waiting for you. And in fact, I know I'm a little bit weird, but I find um, that the Old Testament talks about God's mercy and kindness and love more than any other book of Scripture. But you always have to look for that. He, he will first give the warnings, but it always ends with, however many times, however many generations, even if it's right now we're in 2,500 years since Israel was first scattered, we're, God is going to continue to give you another chance. You come back, he's waiting there to keep that covenant with you. This is giving me this new excitement to, to really appreciate and study more uh, the Old Testament. Thank you so much for your comments and audience. Thank you so much uh, for your experiences that you share with us. It's really added to just the overall feel of this discussion. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, jumping into some more of these topics uh, in Deuteronomy in our footnotes portion of the episode. But this has been very beneficial as we've talked about the blessings of obedience. Today in our discussion of Come Follow Up, I really enjoyed hearing the comments of other persons like myself. 
we're here, we're mothers, we're fathers, we have children, we're, we have co-workers. Just hearing their experiences on how they uh, dealt with things and what they said to help them get through things. I loved how the scholars that we had on the program today were able to take ideas and concepts from the Old Testament and bring them to life right now, how it influences what I should be thinking and what I should be feeling and how I can live better. I think what stuck out most to me today was the different walks of life that everyone comes from. And I think with that lends to a good and powerful discussion with um, thoughts that I wouldn't have come up with myself. And so it just perpetuates the conversation in a way that I necessarily would not have taken. And in doing so helps me learn. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. Uh, I'm excited because we now we get to kind of jump into some uh, more specific things. We can touch on some things that we talked about before. Um, and one thing I want to kind of go back to, if I start with you guys, is specific to the Israelites. What are some specific things that you think is uh, inspiring Moses to encourage them? You know, based off of their behavior and what they've been through, what do you think he's referring to when he says, look, guys, you got to be all in with this thing when it comes to loving God. We have some decent evidence from just little tidbits here and there and here and there that the Israelites were starting to struggle with idolatry in Egypt. Mm. And that's not a surprise. 400 years in a country that has lots and lots of idolatry, right? I mean, tons of gods that they worship and the symbols for them all over the place. So it wouldn't be surprising if they're not influenced by the world around them, right? And, and as I say this, I want to make sure we can draw some clear parallels with what's happening with us. We are, I think, more inundated today with the elements of the world than ever before, right? It's impossible, for, I mean, it's possible for me to go the entire day where I always have something in my mm -hmm. ears telling me the ideas of the world. Again, I think that's part of why President Nelson is pleading, and literally, he says, I plead with you to, to unplug from the world and make time for Christ, right? So they, they've kind of plugged into to that idolatry quite a bit, and it's easy to get kind of split affinities, right? And that's, in fact, that is exactly the problem that Israel has throughout their history. We often think they stopped worshiping Jehovah and they started worshiping idols, but no, they worship Jehovah and idols at the same time. And Moses is telling them, that's why the first thing he says is that Lord, your God is one. It's one God and you love him with everything you have. Whereas what often ended up happening, and this is what Elijah and others are, are trying to tell them to quit doing, right? They're spreading their affection among a number of things. And if it was happening for them, it's not a question of if it's happening for us, it's a question of how. It is happening for us. We all need to ask ourselves, how am I letting the world influence me so much that I'm not loving God fully, I'm loving what the world teaches me as much as God and I'm intermingling the things together and what I really love is my idea of the, the world's ideas and God's ideas mixed together. That's what I love. My son is on a mission and we, we talked to him the other day and uh, his siblings were, were on speaker and he's talking to his siblings and my wife, she said, hey, uh, what is a message you would tell your siblings uh, right now as far as you know, something you've learned. And the first thing he said was uh, about controlling their use on their little electronic idol. Yeah. And, uh, and it was because he didn't realize that until he was removed yep. in, a, in an environment where that no longer exists. And he even said, I did not realize how bad that it was affecting him and his behavior. One of the things I've read from 
uh, from, from evangelical pastors and others. So it's not just our church who struggles, everybody struggles yeah. with this, right? And, and I've read a number of pastors who have said, you know, we have such a crisis right now in, in our society of religious formation, right? Mm-hmm. Of what the churches can accomplish versus this huge avalanche of information. They say right. at best, we get people for one or two hours a week in yeah. the pews, mm-hmm. right? right? And then they go back to 24 seven, whatever news they're consuming, yeah. social media and everything. And, and, and we have the same problem, two hours on a, yeah. a church on Sunday. And then what are yeah. you gonna do with, with the rest of your week? We're, so. we're really trying to get the youth in our ward really kind of pushing this idea of make your first impulse when you get on your phone. I mean, if, you have, if you're getting on your phone to call someone, fine. But you know, most of us, we have a, a, an empty second Let's look at what's in the phone, right? right. And, and to make the first impulse to do something good, following the brethren or uh, do something on the, the family tree search, yeah. do something good before you do whatever it was that was your impulse before, and, and it can become a habit. And then like you that. start to make this uh, an opportunity to partake of God rather than the world. You know, it's, it's easy when you're removed. So what about in the world? Yeah. Um, how do you keep that momentum going uh, where you're constantly striving to love God with all your heart, might, mind, and soul? I'd say the two things that made the biggest difference for me uh, I, is the first thing, when I came home from my mission, I made the decision, I, I came back into college, and I made the decision that I was going to keep the Sabbath day. That I was not going to study on Sundays. Wow. Uh, and uh, and then I continued that into to graduate school and then and went, and then in, into my career and I made that decision that and, and there's lots of different ways to keep the Sabbath day holy I know some people have to work on Sundays mm-hmm. right so it's you know we, we adjust accordingly but for me I had the freedom where, where I just made that decision I was not going to pick up my books on on Sunday and, I, and I've I've kept up that practice and it has been a lifeline for me it's it's not only been important for my spiritual health. It's been hugely important for my mental health, my emotional health, my family life, right? Uh, to be able to sort of reconnect in all those ways. And, and I, I know, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I get more done on those other six days of the week than, than I would if I was just working nonstop. One thing that I found for myself, and it's what I encourage all missionaries to do, and it really ties back into our, our uh, lesson that we've been talking about. When you're on your mission, it's so easy to see how everything you're doing is a form of serving and loving God. Right, you, you get that with everything else. When you come home, it still should be that way. Mm-hmm. Everything should be a form of showing your love for God. It's just not as easy to see. So if you're going to school, you have to stop and say, why am I going to school? Is it, well, hopefully it's because I, I wanna become a better person that's capable of taking care of my family and making a difference in the world and contributing to building up the kingdom. So then you have to remember it when you're taking a quiz, you don't just think, oh, I'm studying for this stupid quiz. I'm doing this for these reasons. And then you start to see how everything you do is a form of loving and worshiping God. And that can keep you grounded and doing everything for the right reasons. We talked about doing those things for the right reasons. That helps you do everything for the right reason. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think of this scripture in, in section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants, mm-hmm. verse 53. Verily I say unto you that it's my will that you should hasten to translate my scriptures, and then most importantly, to obtain a knowledge of history and of countries and of kingdoms, of laws of God and man, and all this for the salvation of Zion, right? So I tell my students, if you're studying, you know, my, my Latter-day Saint uh, students, right, who, who come and talk to me, right? If you're studying history, if you're studying English, if you're studying accounting, if you're studying engineering, if you're studying biology, education, all of that can be for other people's good, 
right? Yeah. God is the author of all that knowledge. So, so like I said, it's, it's not the same as when you're on your mission, but in some ways, it's a richer opportunity yeah. to figure out how do I consecrate this thing that I'm doing, that I'm passionate about. You know, it's, it's physical therapy or it's mechanical engineering right. or whatever it is. How do I figure out a way to consecrate this for the salvation of Zion and for the good of other people. You know, that kind of leads to something that, um, as we're talking about Moses and the children of Israel, this idea of giving to the poor and, and some of the things that Moses is trying to help the children of Israel understand. To, to understand that, if it would be all right, I'd like to back us up and, and even go back to like say chapter seven, but just kind of this covenant concept. It took me a long time to clue into this, all right, but. I'd started first in, in 1994, but way back then is the first time I taught a religion class and I was teaching first half of the Old Testament. I had to teach about the Abrahamic Covenant, made lists of what's in the Abrahamic Covenant. Uh, it kind of kept adding to that list for the 25 years I was teaching it, right, and, and adding to it and so on. But then one time I was writing a book about this and, uh, and I thought, well, I can't just have this bullet point list. So I was trying to figure out, okay, what elements uh, go together and make categories and so on. And as I did that, I suddenly realized that the entire focus of the covenant is about relationships. First and foremost, your relationship with God. That is the overwhelming, overarching thing that helps us understand everything in the covenant. And where is that expressed best? It's in Deuteronomy where you find in like about every other chapter a commandment to love God. Um, or two or three commandments to love God, right? And then your relationship with your fellow man, right? It's all about this relationship. But there's an, there's an extra element in the, the, the text that we can't detect in English that I think is really important. And uh, it's this word that's often translated as loving kindness. It, it, we can't, it's, it's tough to translate it into English. Okay. There's not an equivalent, all right? But it's often translated as loving kindness. But the word is chesed, right? You kind of have to spit a little bit when you say it. It's okay. chesed. It's a love and compassion and mercy that's available only inside a covenantal context. That the idea of covenant is inherent in the word. That there's a special kind of love and mercy that God has, or a special relationship, we can say, that God has with covenant holders that isn't possible outside of a covenant relationship. Okay, just to kind of help me understand it, and maybe some of the viewers, could you relate that to uh, the love that uh, a, a married couple, so that's between exactly me and my right. wife, like that covenant Okay, it's a different kind of love I mean, because you, you, we have you love, you love everybody, oh, right? right? You right. love For everybody, sure. but there's a special yeah. love. Okay, so that's what I always this. say when I try yeah. and explain it. I always say, you know, my wife really does love everyone, but I hope she loves me differently. So if we were to go back to, to Deuteronomy 7, if you look um, in verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, who keepeth covenant and mercy. That's who keepeth chesed. All right, okay. he keeps his covenant mercy, well, it says covenant and chesed, all right? So his covenant and his covenantal mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You see what he's saying? It's because I made a covenant with your fathers and you for a thousand generations, which is just a way of saying for forever, I will never give up on you. I will never stop giving you another chance. I will always allow you to come back, all right? So once we understand that, now we can go to, to chapter 15 okay. because in turn, God says, because I have this special mercy for you and am willing to extend that to you, you need to extend it to others. And chapter 15 is fantastic because it, it just outlines some specific ways to do it, right? Some beautiful, wonderful, and incredibly symbolic ways to do it. But the emphasis is be merciful to everyone else. I've blessed you 
don't, it's, don't keep it for yourself. I think a lot of people might resonate with, uh, Jesus teaches this principle uh, in the parable, uh, the parable of the, of the debtors, right? Where, right? where somebody is forgiven of a massive debt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they turn around and somebody you know, has, a, has a little tiny debt to them right. and, they, and, and, and they're not merciful to them. So, right. so Jesus, through that parable, is trying to illustrate this principle because you've been forgiven so much, yep. uh, you, you should in turn be equally Right. merciful. I mean, you can never be equally merciful, right. but you, you should be merciful to, to others. You right. mentioned there are some specific things. Can we look at some of those? Yeah, like, let's what do. Is, and that um, way we can see if we can internalize that and find some application with it. So there, there are at least two kinds of things that are addressed in chapter 15. The first one is being kind. There are ties, there are things that you bring into a, and add storehouses, right? Today we call it the bishop storehouses, but they literally had, and we can find these when we excavate, Next to every gate of the city, in a, in a large city, right, right by the gate, there's a large storeroom where we find remains of store jars and things like that because that's where they're supposed to bring things. And they could be used for all sorts of stuff, but, but people brought their offerings to the gate. Okay. And, and it was the duty of the leaders of the city to store them. And then when the poor came to the gate, to take from that storehouse and give to the poor. Right, and so that that's illustrated so well. And I think uh, Patrick, you mentioned that this was one of your favorite verses, verse eight. Well, starting in verse seven, if if there's a if there's anybody poor among you, you know, in the gates of the land, thou shalt not harden thine heart. There's that heart mm-hmm. again, right? right. Yeah, uh, in the gates that we were talking about, exactly. Right? Nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother, right? But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him. Open thine hand wide, and thou shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. The Doctrine and Covenants says the exact same thing in section 42 where it talks about the law of consecration. It says we give to the poor not only according to their needs but according to their wants. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just recasting this uh, Deuteronomy. And this is just so beautiful, the idea of opening your hand to, yeah. to, the, to the poor. I remember a general conference talk uh, years ago uh, where, where, where the speaker talked about that our giving to the poor, it should actually sort of cramp our style, right? Yeah, I mean, in, 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 in that it, it, it should not be something that's just easy and casual to give, but actually it, it should represent a kind of sacrifice uh, for we should feel it when we open our hand to the poor. You know, so I was raised as the beneficiary of people's goodness. You know, I was raised, my mom was a widow raising eight kids, huh. you know, and it was rough. And there were times when, you know, people would open up their hands to us. There's one specific time, and I remember this guy my dad worked with, and uh, he just pulled up and he walked up and he, uh, he put an envelope in our mailbox. And these are blue collar people, right? But just knowing our situation, like my mom goes out there and there's just some cash in there that we desperately needed. <laughs> and so what did that do for me? It's instilled inside of me that same idea of, I wanna do the same. And, you know, my wife and I, we live a very a comfortable, modest life. But whenever we can, you know, my wife has the biggest heart. And we look for opportunities to do that, to give, to, to pay it forward and keep yeah. that process going for others. You know, uh, the Book of Mormon is so good on that. I think King, King Benjamin's speech is just exemplary where he says, you know, you might think to yourself, Oh, well, well this, this person's brought it on themselves, right? Yeah. So it's one thing to think, oh, the widow with eight kids, right? right They're deserving yeah. of our help. Uh, but, but somebody else, the drug addict, right? Uh, you know, the, the, somebody else, you know, who's on the streets, they, they don't deserve it. And King Benjamin says, you don't get to make that judgment. Yeah. Deuteronomy says, you don't get to make that, that judgment. And, and I love what you said, Ben, because when we, when we do that, I think 
and I think that's the point of what God's trying to say with extending his mercy to others. You help people feel God's love for them, yeah. right? And that's what this is aiming at. You know, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, Deuteronomy, it's the last of the books of Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about, this is the, the, the last message. You know, if we're trying to, you know, uh, Moses is trying to really have this, you know, I'm going to collect all my thoughts this one last time and I'm going to give them to the children of Israel so they can remember. What do we learn about this as far as the power of specifically Moses' last words and in general, this is what I want you to remember. Let's look in um, chapter 18. And I think this is really instructive um, as to the power of Moses, but prophets in general, all right? So we get in verse 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. That's Moses speaking, right? Unto him ye shall hearken. So there are a number of things that we should take from this. One, God is, through Moses, is saying, I'm going to give you another great prophet. And this is often taken, including by Israelites and and Jews later, as that there will be a a fantastic great prophet that is raised up. And uh, so, for example, when John the Baptist is preaching and they come and they ask, are you Elijah? And he says, no. And they say, well, art thou that prophet? Mm. They're referring to this verse, right? Are you that prophet that Moses talked about? He says, no, that's not me, right? In fact, we have some, uh, the Savior in the Book of Mormon tells us it's him. So in some ways, it's about that prophet, right? But in some ways, this is about, I'm always going to give you a prophet, right? And so you don't need to turn to these other crazy ways of trying to know my will or know the future or anything else. I will always give you a prophet. So the most immediate fulfillment of this will be Joshua. Mm. But in, in the end, it's all about, I'm going to give you a prophet, and you can listen to that prophet. That's how you'll really get direction from me. I don't think there's a more timely message for us in our day. When we go back to what we were talking about, how the world is just bombarding us with stuff, what we need is to listen to a prophet. So that's one of his key elements to give here at the end of his valedictory address. Well, and, and, and to build on that, so, so he says there'll be, there'll be more prophets to come, uh, but the whole book of Deuteronomy says, I'm going to give you the law. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to be with you always. Right. But I'm, I'm going to give you the law. And yeah. so so what do people come away with after Moses leaves? They have a book in their hand and they have a prophet in their midst. Yeah. And so it's it's the scriptures and the prophet, mm. the living prophet working hand in hand. Uh, so it's not one or the other. It's it's they work together. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, we've talked about how the Lord wants me to love him with all my heart and the blessings of obedience. And your contributions have been so great for this, for this episode. Thanks, man. And I want to thank all of you for watching at home. And uh, again, we want to encourage you that if you felt something throughout this episode, uh, that you would take the courage to follow those promptings and that you will pay attention to the way the Holy Ghost speaks specifically to you. Thanks again. Please join us next week for another episode of Come Follow Up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.